0: Well, uh, we've been in this series called Miraculous for a few weeks. I'm really enjoying the series. I know a lot of you have made comments and things like that, that you've enjoyed it too. Um, today, we're going to be looking at another miracle, another uh, thing that is miraculous. And I can't I can't think of anything more miraculous than what we're going to talk about today, right? Uh, but before we get there, before we get into the, the teaching, um, let's just be honest just a second. All right. How many great Christmases have you had? Come on, let's be honest. Uh, maybe a handful, maybe one, maybe maybe none, right? Um, my favorite Christmas movie is Christmas Vacation. <laughs> All right, I know a lot of you talk, like that too. Uh, what makes that so funny? Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> That's my thoughts exactly, <laughs> right? I mean, really, that's why it, it we resonate with that movie, because it's true, because it's realistic, right? It is realistic. How many of you have watched this that thought, well, that just happened to me last year? <laughs> or, or my worst holiday memory is in that movie, right? You know, maybe it's the uh, uh, creepy family member that just shows up unannounced, <laughs> Right? <laughs> I'm just saying. (laughs) Um, You know, maybe you burn the turkey. You know, maybe you uh, uh, forget to buy somebody a present. Maybe you buy somebody the wrong thing and get embarrassed. You know, um, your dog eats the tree. Your kids break the ornaments. All that has happened to me. (laughs) You know? So um, then there's this. Then there's this thing that we all send out, well, most of us anyway, but all of us get at least a few of them. These Christmas cards, right? And what's everybody doing on them? They're smiling and they're all together and they're holding hands and everything is perfect. And that just, I'm like, can this be real? <laughs> is is this the way it is? Because if so, then I, my family is strange, <laughs> right? But... Everyone looks good and smiling, but let's be honest. When you look at that, how many of you think, is this what life is really like? Right. Hey, it should look more like this here. I've got a few of these cards. <laughs> I like this. That's more like what Christmas looks like realistically, right? I'm not sure if that's a, a whole family, you know, brothers and sisters, but you know, you got the girls that are just bored. They're ready to give up, ready to go on. What are we doing here? Uh, the brother over here is getting ready to hit somebody with a stick. Um, you got the mother demanding an explanation, and the father's just trying to do his best to stay calm. Right? So let's go to the next one. Here's another one. Uh, you know, if you got young kids, you feel like this, don't you? You feel like a prisoner. And they rule you. And, and, and look, how many of you feel like this at the top? I don't know if you can see that, but we survived... Another year. You know, many times that's what Christmas feels like, realistically, doesn't it? Just survival. Just getting through. It used to be just a day. Now it's like a week. Getting through this week. All right, now this is my favorite one, the last one. This is me. (laughs) This is my Christmas. All right, and I'm just sitting around and what's going on? <laughs> Hello? I'm over here. Did anybody notice me? That's me. You know, when we think about it realistically, things just go wrong, don't they? Life happens. Um, things are difficult. Things don't seem to go our way. Let's be honest about it. Let's just get that out of the way. Um, a couple of weeks ago, when the big snow came, I know you all remember that, uh, it was just devastating and here for some reason on top of this hill, it was like the worst, it was like Everest on top of this hill. It was so bad. We, we tried everything we could. Obviously, we didn't have services that one Sunday, but then after that, we had to get, we tried to get up in here. The guy that normally pushes our snow, he got about a third of the way up the hill and, and couldn't get it up any higher. Broke down. Um, and, and then, uh, thankfully, somebody helped us out and cleared the, the path off for the road so we could get up here. But all this in the parking lot was left with just a huge amount of snow on there. Um, so we've got a truck over here on the side that's got a snow plow on it. Well, guess what? Truck would not start. <laughs> oh, backup plan. We've got a tractor. We've got a big tractor. And I like, I like toys like that. So, uh, you know, went out there and, and started that thing up and... Got out and started pushing a little bit of snow, and it starts spitting diesel fuel everywhere, right? So we call our backup uh, guy that, that pushes uh, the snow. Oh, he's broke down. He can't come out. Well, then we try this little little uh, snow thing, the snow that shoots snow, snowblower, right? So we get it cranked and, and uh, get it going, and it starts moving. Well, then it, I've come to figure out it only runs on one side, <laughs> So we could plow a circle maybe, <laughs> you know. Thankfully we got up here eventually, right? Uh, but you know, it's not just the holidays when that happens, it's all the time, isn't it? It's, that's life, that's all the time. Things don't go our way. Sometimes nothing seems to work. And as we look at the Old Testament, as we look back at what we've talked about so far in our series That is what it was like with man and God. Nothing seemed to work out. Everything kept going wrong. You know, if you read the Old Testament, that's very easy to see. And, you know, it wasn't God's fault. It was ours. It was our fault. Every time God did something to show us grace, to to bring us back to Him, we found a way to mess things up, didn't we? Our sin led to this continuing problem of pushing God away. Every time God would come close, we would push him away. Our sin kept God at a distance all the time. Look at this verse in Isaiah, chapter 59, verse 2. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Now, all the way back in the garden, from the garden, there's been this, this separation between man and and God, because of iniquity. Whose iniquities? Ours. Man's. Um, you know, I've got a son named Gideon, 15 years old, involved in sports and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, when he comes home from a game or practice, I can tell. I can smell him. <laughs> you know, and if you, those of you all that have, you know, teenagers and are active and stuff like that, you, you know what I'm talking about. But, you know, when he comes around after that, and, I'm like, and he tries to get close, I'm like, keep, keep your distance, son. Keep your distance from me. It's sort of like that, between us and God, you see. Our iniquities, our sin, have, they've put distance between us and God because God is holy. God is holy. So there's always been this sort of separation between God and man because of sin. And I thought back to, to Moses. And, um, you know, what a great man he was. We, We put him up on a pedestal, and we think, man, this guy had a relationship with God unlike any other, which is very true. But still, still, he could only get so close to God. Exodus 3, 5, this is not on the screen, but just listen. This is when Moses first encounters God. God calls to him from a burning bush. Moses approaches. God says this, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. see, and there's nothing special about the ground. It wasn't holy dirt. You see, the area was holy because God was there, and God is holy. There needed to be distance between between man and God. And then uh, Moses began this relationship with God that would last a long time, and and then near the end, Moses just said, I want to see you, God. I want to see you. I want to see your face. And God said this in Exodus 33. You cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Wow. That's pretty blunt, isn't it? Uh, but you get the idea. The, the problem was that our sin separated us from God. And, and every time God took a step towards us, we took a step back. God kept trying to reach us, to bring us back to him, to to better our relationship with us. But every single time, we would give in to sin and cause further distance. We had this recurring problem. And we could not fix it. Couldn't fix it. Well, thankfully, God knew this. God knew that this would be a repeating pattern for us. He knew that this would be a problem. And and God could have kept finding ways to mend the relationship, but it would only be temporary. He could have kept doing that, but he knew we would always fail. He knew that. So God had a different plan, you see. God had a plan to do something about this separation, and here's the thing about this plan. Since it's on his end, it wouldn't fail wouldn't fail. And a plan that would involve him literally stepping into the world and coming to us. And this this great plan was given in part to an Old Testament prophet named Isaiah. And ironically, the same prophet who said that sin separated us from God is the one who gives the message that God is going to come to us. Isn't that ironic? The same prophet that talks about separation from God is given a prophecy about reunion with God. Isn't that good? So this prophecy, it was foretold a long time ago. Actually 700 years before the birth of Jesus. During the times of kings in Israel. And one thing about God, if you read through the Old Testament, man kept wanting this and God would give it to him. Right? Right? Uh, Man wanted leaders. Well, God gave them leaders. Well, guess what? Men didn't follow. Uh, the, The people wanted prophets. Well, guess what? The people didn't listen. The people wanted priests. That didn't work out. The people wanted kings. Almost all of them were bad. None of that worked out because of us, you see. God was generous each and every time, but none of it worked out. So, so, look at this, Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Now, I know that's with the I there and some other things are with the E. That's just the Old Testament. Uh, the, the Hebrew is with the I, just a difference in the vowels. All right, New Testament is with the E. This prophecy here pointed to something miraculous. It says, The Lord himself the lord himself the the lord would do something great because we couldn't we couldn't everything we tried to do failed so the lord would step in and the lord would do something and the sign which means clue or, or proof the sign was this that a virgin would conceive and give birth to a son well not just any son but emmanuel Emmanuel, which the scripture later teaches us, literally means God with us. And you might say, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait just a minute. We just talked about separation between God and man. What about keeping that distance stuff? What about getting so close that you may die stuff? What about all that? I know, right? Isn't this good? Isn't this great? That's the whole point. This is a huge thing. This is a really big thing. Big deal. God had shown his presence in different ways, but this prophecy is saying that God would physically come and step into the world. God's presence had been seen and felt in the world before, but never, ever like this. Never like this. God would filter himself to this world through a human child, and his presence would be made known to the world like no other time before. It's interesting. God's plan wasn't to burst through the clouds, but to come through the womb of a virgin. That's how He planned to be with us. So we have this great prophecy from Isaiah. And so there was this anticipation from the time that prophecy was given. How many of your kids are excited about Christmas time? How long ago did they start getting excited? Right? Are you like Buddy the Elf and you're like 364 days of excitement? Okay? That's how my kids were like two months ago anticipating what they were getting for Christmas. They were excited. They They were curious. There were still questions, but there was excitement. The same thing with this, the same thing with this prophecy. There were still a lot of questions, but there was excitement. There was anticipation. Look, there was hope. There was hope, there was a yearning, a longing for God to come, for God to, to come and do something great, for God to come to us and be with us. Now, let's fast forward 700 years, okay? And we will see how this prophecy becomes fulfilled. And we get to the part of the Christmas story that most of us are familiar with, the story of Jesus' birth in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. Now, Matthew is pointing us, uh, giving us a clue here, Jesus the Messiah. Messiah means anointed one or chosen one. Matthew is saying, yeah, that guy, the person that the prophecy was talking about is Jesus. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Matthew picks up in the story here in a dramatic time. All right, Uh, Joseph is to be wed to Mary. So they were sort of engaged, you could say. Uh, They were getting ready to be married, but before they did, Joseph found out that she was with child, All right? Talk about drama. So, Joseph, knowing that he didn't have anything to do with her pregnancy, look, he could have legally made a big deal about this, he could have legally made this a big deal, but instead, he considered sort of doing the honorable thing here by cutting ties with her quietly. And as he's thinking through these things, as he's weighing out his options, as he's considering doing this, we read this in verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So I like this. God knew what Joseph was thinking. Did you pick up on that? As he was considering making those decisions, God sent a messenger to him to give a message to Joseph. And that message was yes, Mary is with child, but still take her as your wife. Go ahead and follow through with the wedding because she has been faithful to you. Now, Joseph might have been thinking, uh, okay, whatever. You know, what would you think in that situation, right? Um, But then the angel told Joseph some things that he couldn't circumvent. He couldn't sidestep these things. The angel told Joseph, what is conceived in her is through the Holy Spirit. Wow, that's a lot to think about, isn't it? Joseph's probably thinking, God's Spirit moving in the womb of a woman that I'm supposed to marry. Why? You know, questions like that start, probably start going through his his head. And then the angel went on to tell Joseph that Mary would have a son and they were to name the baby Jesus. And you know what Jesus means? The Lord saves. His name literally means the Lord saves. And now... Now some things are starting to come together for Joseph. Now he's probably thinking, I'm not married, but my wife is pregnant. An angel from the Lord shows up and tells me that God's Spirit miraculously caused a child to grow in her womb. And after that, she would have a son and name him him Jesus because he will save people from their sins. Who can save people from sin? Who can forgive sin? Who has the power and the authority to forgive sin? God. Only God. And then the light bulb probably went off in Joseph's head. The prophecy. The the prophecy from long ago. He would have been very familiar with this prophecy as almost every Jew would have been. But look, he probably never thought it would be then. And he probably never thought it would be him, you see. But all those things put together. And then look at this. Look at how this flows. Look how Matthew just leads us into this. Verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Look at this. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Here we see the fulfillment of an ancient prophecy. Here we see the beginning of God's plan for the world. God came to us by becoming one of us. And Think of what the baby was named. The baby was named Jesus because of what he came to do, to save. But he wasn't named Emmanuel. He was called Emmanuel because of who he was, God in the flesh. God with us. Jesus was God in the flesh. That's what incarnation means. You ever go to a Mexican restaurant and get chili con carne? That's that's what it means. Wrapped in flesh. Look, are y'all laughing at my Spanish accent? (laughs) Spanish people don't have no problem with it. They just keep on talking to me. Look, all right, follow me just a second. Before the baby was wrapped in swaddling clothes, God was wrapped into flesh. Isn't that neat to think about? That is what Christmas is all about, you see. God coming to us. Jesus, the Savior, has been born. And look, since that happened since God came to us, nothing from that point on would ever be the same. Nothing. Now, let's chat. Let's talk about what this means to us, this truth. God with us. Emmanuel. Three things I want to share with you before we, before, before we finish. What does it mean for us that God came? First, we have a God who loves us. We have a God who loves, loves us. You know, we give our kids presents. Why? Why? You love them, right? We love our kids, so we give them things. We want to give gifts to our children out of love. And look, that is the reason that God gave us his greatest gift, his son. Because we have a God who loves us. I know I've mentioned this a lot, and it may seem redundant to you, but you should never get over that. You should never, ever get over the fact that God loves you. It should never, ever cease to amaze you. We have a God who loves us more than we can actually understand, more than we can realistically comprehend. That's how much God loves us. John three sixteen. Is this a Christmas verse? Yes. Look at the first part, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Gave. And we needed Jesus to come to us. We needed God's presence. I hope you all see that. I hope you all understand that. We needed a savior. We needed the Son. And so God gave us exactly what we needed. Why? Because He loves us. You know, how many of you get socks and underwear from grandma? You know? But how many of you need socks and underwear? <laughs> I mean, every time it seems to that, that's, you get you seem to open that gift, you're like, I don't really want this, but I need it. <laughs> Every time, isn't it weird? Look, that's what happened when God gave us Jesus. It wasn't necessarily what we wanted, but it was exactly what we needed. We needed Jesus, and out of God's love, he, he gave him to us. I'm using a lot of Isaiah today. Look at this in Isaiah chapter 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Look, through Jesus, our greatest need was met by God's greatest gift. We needed God to give us direction, so he gave us a counselor. Uh, We needed God to show His power in mighty ways, so He gave us mighty God. We needed God to adopt us and to be our Father, so He gave us an everlasting Father through Jesus. And we needed God to bring peace to our world of chaos. So God sent us the Prince of Peace. All that was accomplished through Jesus, the Son of God. And look at this verse. A child was born, but what? A son was given. Son was given. We have a God who who loves us. Second thing, Emmanuel, God with us, means this. We have a God who wants to give us life. You know, we give presents to our kids because we want them to enjoy life, don't we? We want them to enjoy it. Many of you may have grown up underprivileged. You know, we are in Appalachia. You hear a lot of those stories. You know, my, uh, my family grew up underprivileged. My parents, my grandparents... Many of you may have done the same, not having many things. And so what do you want to do? You want to give your kids a better life, right? That's the way God sees us too. God saw us in our need and he had compassion. He looked at us and said, I want things to change for them. I don't want things to be the same. He wanted to make life different from us. The Bible tells us that sin not only separated us from God, but that sin caused us to be dead spiritually Now, God didn't want that for us. God wants us to have life. But the type of life that God wants us to have, guess what? We couldn't get on our own. We couldn't do that. We could never get that life on our own. So God, in His love and in His goodness, gave that life to us through His Son. Now, let's look at all of John 3.16 here. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life. God doesn't want people to perish. God doesn't want people to live life without Him. God doesn't want people to go off into eternity separated from Him. He wants us to spend eternity with Him through His Son, Jesus. But here's another truth. Here's another truth. God wants us to have eternal life with Him, but He wants us to have life with Him right now. People who believe in Jesus can look forward to spending an eternity with God but God offers us an opportunity to have life right now now, right now at this moment God doesn't just want us to be able to have eternal life like it's some kind of Christmas layaway you ever thought about that? oh thank you for, your, for paying for my salvation I'll get that later thank you for eternal life I'll get it when I need it it's not like that God offers life now. John 10.10 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You know, This doesn't mean that when you place your faith in Jesus, you get everything you wanted. This doesn't mean that when you place your faith in Jesus, that you get the house of your dreams, or the job of your dreams, or the man or the woman of your dreams. It doesn't mean any of that. You can still have all those things and not have Jesus and still feel like something's missing. You will never be satisfied without Jesus, is what this means. That's what this means. It's only through God's perfect gift of Jesus that life is complete. You, see, you watch that Jerry Maguire movie? You complete me, or something like that? Is that the right movie? Never mind. Jesus completes our life. That's what I'm saying. It's only through Jesus that we can have joy and fulfillment. And and look, satisfaction. We have a God who wants to give us life, eternal life in the future, yes, but life right now, while we're together, while we're here. Finally, we, look, look, when you think about this, this should blow you away. We have a God who wants to be with us forever. We have a God who wants to be with us. We give presents to our kids. Why? Because we want to be there with them in that moment. To watch them. To observe them. To experience that life-changing moment. That joy. That excitement. Kids... And here's the thing I know about kids. They want many things. They write down things. They got lists. Kids love getting gifts, don't they? But what do they need most? You to be there. Kids want a lot of things. What they need most is your presence. You being there with them. God sent His Son to us, and by doing that, God Himself came to us. God sent us the present of His presence. That's amazing. God coming to us, stepping down from heaven, and stepping right into a sinful, chaotic, messy, broken world is amazing. Just so He could be with us. Just so He could be with you. That's miraculous. And look, I know it's hard around the holidays for a lot of you. Maybe you've lost someone recently. Maybe you lost someone a long time ago, and it's still hard. Look, I know that. I understand that. You know what's true? Nothing, nothing can fill that void. Nothing can replace that. No gifts, no presents, no words really could ever satisfy that void that's in your life, that hole. We, we, we greatly long to be with that person or those persons again, don't we? You feel that around the holidays. You feel that around Christmas. You know, some of my greatest Memories, some of my greatest memories are with my grandmothers. They're both in heaven right now. You know, we have that to, to think about for our loved ones. One day we'll, we'll see them again. You know, I miss, I miss my grandmothers. I'm, I know you miss people in your life too. What would you give to see them again? Anything, right? That's the way I feel. I'd give anything to spend one more Christmas with my grandparents. I didn't mean to bring up any emotion or cause you to, to feel bad this morning. But just allow me to use your emotion for God's glory for just a second. The same way you feel is the way God felt about you. That exact same way. So what did he do? He gave us Jesus. He gave us Jesus. God came so we would never have to be separated from him again. God created us to be with him and he wants to be with us forever. Look at this. Here's another uh, not typical Christmas verse, Revelation 21.3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look. God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And this is a snapshot of heaven. This is a snapshot of eternity. This is a snapshot of what you and me and those of us that call ourselves Christ followers have to look forward to. Who are we together with? We're with God. God, and you know what dwelling place literally means? Permanent residence. Man, isn't that good? One day, one day, we will be with God forever and ever. This is what God wants. This is what God is looking forward to, and I hope you are too. This is what He desires to be with us, to be our Father, to be our God, for, and for us to be His people. And for us to dwell with him forever, that is why he came to us. To make being with us forever possible, you see. And that is the meaning of Christmas. Well, let's pray together. Father God, we thank you. We, th- we thank you for your love. That you love us in ways that we can never imagine. And through that love, you gave us the greatest gift, your son, Jesus. Father, we we thank you that you're interested in our life. That you gave us eternal life, the ability to have eternal life through your son, Jesus. But Father, you you want us to have life now. You want us to have a complete, joyful life now to where we have a, a relationship with you. Father, may we realize that nothing in this world will ever truly satisfy outside of you. Father, we're thankful this morning that you want to be with us. What a miraculous truth that is. Despite everything this world has done to you in return, all the times we've failed you, all the times we've hurt you, all the times we've put distance between us and you, you kept wanting to come to us. You wanted to be with us. What an amazing truth that is, Father. And We praise you for that, for that is the true meaning of Christmas. And that is why we praise the holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen.